Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Carpe Diem Consulting Group, Mr. Chris Spanier. How are you? I'm doing great today, Stone. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, delight to have you on the program. Really been looking forward to this conversation. I think a great place to start would probably be mission, purpose, what you and your team are are really out there trying to do for folks, man. No, I appreciate that. So I, I guess in a nutshell, we're, we're a marketing, marketing consulting firm. We, we dabble obviously in technology and some other things, but I, I kind of view our, our, our mission when I go and introduce us to people. So I said, you know, it's getting close to the World Series as we're, we're doing our recording here. And so I, I kind of use a baseball analogy and say, think of us as the marketing utility players. So we, we will work with businesses of all different sizes, but we tend to go more medium, maybe small size businesses where, you know, they want to do some marketing, but they don't have people on staff or they've got a small staff and they just, they need some help. So we come in and you know, we'll work with leadership to figure out where their best potential is going to be, where they're going to get the biggest bang for their buck. And then we get to work to help them you know, put some tactical things in place while also thinking more strategically about where they ultimately want to end up and be successful with. So what's the backstory, man? How did you get into this line of work? <laughs> oh my gosh. What, what, uh, yeah, we don't have enough time for the whole story, but the short <laughs> version, um, back in the day. So I'm, uh, thankfully this is, this is audio only. So you don't get to see the amount of gray I, I've accumulated, <laughs> but my, my start was back when the internet bubble was really had, hadn't burst. It was still building. So, you know, there was all this innovation. I, I, I started with an internet startup. We were going to make our millions. It was just such a wonderful experience. Um, and we obviously didn't make our millions, but we, we we were really successful. The company got sold and merged, and you know there was an AT and T division that became part of it. It was just it was, it was this neat story, but you know my path took me into you know a more traditional path where I got married to the love of my life. We we you know started a family, and I started to settle down into kind of a more traditional corporate role. But I always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So there was a, a company I spent a number of years with that. I always describe it as you know, I was running a startup inside of this hundred-year-old financial services firm. So I don't know, about five, six years ago, I had an opportunity to set back out on my own. Had you know, good heart-to-heart with my wife and said, you know, what do, what do you think about this? I'd been doing pro bono consulting for probably a dozen years prior to this, hmm. and we were in a good place. And she's like, let's do this. Let's let let's hang out the shingle. Let's go and let's see where this leads. So with her blessing. Carpe Diem officially became a, a, a real thing. Well, you and I both really enjoy capturing and, and sharing the story. What what do you do if and when you run into a client or a potential client and, and they just don't feel like they have an interesting story to, to share about their brand? Yeah, and that happens more often than you might think. And what I find, one of, one of the things I, I love, whether it's, you know, a company like me or any other kind of consulting company, one of the things I think we bring to the table is just fresh eyes and fresh perspective. And um, I'll give you an example. Uh, so I, I've been working for a little over a year now with, with this, this complex metal fabrication company in the, in the region. And, um, 
you go in there and they, these are just good people. I mean, they've, they've been around for 50 or 60 years. They've continued to grow and had success. But I started talking to them about kind of what their story is. And, and they were just so humble about it. They're like, oh, you know, we just do this, this, whatever it might be. And I'm like, okay, great. And we got talking about some more. And I said, well, what are we working on here? We're taking a tour of the factory floor. And they're like, oh, that's a part that's going to, and I won't name it, but, but a large, um, new aerospace space company and they're like yeah that part's gonna end up in space here uh, probably in about six months and i'm looking uh-huh. at them going you, you go to outer space like, oh yeah and then you know, were talking about other work they're doing and like yeah these are actually medical devices they use in surgery or here's a part that's that's you know an integral component inside of a jet engine so you know it's it's the part that's keeping us safe as we fly all over the country and and you know this is a monday for them and <laughs> What I, what I like to do, actually, and I have to give credit, um, there's a colleague of mine in the area. She's brilliant. She's a digital marketer named Kendra Ramirez. And Kendra and I were talking a couple of years ago, and, and I love this idea of hers. And she, too, you know, client was like, I, I, I don't know what to talk about. I'm not that interesting. So Kendra said, just do me a favor. How long should you drive home? And the gentleman's like, oh, about 20 minutes, half hour. She goes, perfect. I want you to take your phone out, and I want you to turn on the dictation, and then record, tell us what you did today and specifically focus on interactions with your clients and, and projects maybe you were working on and, and just see where that goes. And I think a day or two later, the gentleman calls her up and he goes, okay, I got it. Because what he realized then, what, what he'd failed to realize in the, in the day-to-day living of his life and doing his great work was the impact he was having for his clients, the things that they were doing, the innovation. And by telling his story and in a very non-threatening way, very easy way, he ended up, I, I, I forget how many pages she said of content they got out of that one little recording. And then he's done subsequent ones. But I love that because what it was is that, you know, we, we tend to lose sight of who we are and the really cool things we do. And we tend to be humble about the work we do. And that that's great. That that's good people. But sometimes working with somebody like me or like you or, or others in our industry, you, know, you, you have an opportunity really to get that fresh perspective and, and realize, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool that I'm doing. So I've yet to meet a company whose story I haven't loved. What a fantastic idea. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to borrow that page out of your playbook. Credit where credit is due. Kendra was the one who gave that to me. And I'm like, that's brilliant. So I've used it with a number of my clients as well. Yeah. So have you found yourself over the uh, over the course of of this journey gravitating to certain types of clients or industries or types of people? You know, I I've worked I'm blessed to work with companies, you know, like all across the country, but I I do tend to work more in the region. So the funny thing is is I I tend to avoid similar industries because I really don't get into a place where you know, I'm telling a similar story for two different potentially competitors or close competitors. So I, I tend to avoid industry overlap, but that then allows me to talk to a lot of different companies. So I, I, what I really like or what I find is successful is when the team goes in and we're meeting with a company, you know, if they're marketing aware, if you will. So, so they, they realize the value that marketing can potentially bring to the table, but they're, they're at a place where again, they don't have the staff or the expertise or the resources to really dedicate some time to it. What we can do then is come in and we'll be a bridge. You know, we'll help get them started. So my, my thought is, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to work with a company for a year or two years or three years, that that's probably a good runway, but it gets them to a point where they're like, okay, now we're ready to bring this in-house. So, you know, we help kind of build the, the initial marketing that they're doing. We ultimately then will then hand that off to the next generation. And then, you know, 
hang around for as long as they need us to help with the transition. But yeah, it, it, on the one hand, it makes it challenging when you go off and you're prospecting and like, well, who do you work with? And, and the answer is, well, everybody. Um, but the flip side of it is you do see that pattern of, you know, companies that have an appreciation for marketing. They, they aren't able to do it on their own just yet, but they're building towards that. So I love getting into those kind of opportunities and helping them kind of realize those dreams and ultimately get them to that next level. Well, you're clearly enjoying the work. It comes through in your voice. I know it's coming through over the airwaves. What what are you finding the most rewarding at at this point in your career? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, it goes back to the last answer. I I love it when, you you know, we are facing some tough economic times right now. And and, and one of the realities is marketing tends to be one of the first things on the chopping block when companies pull back budgets or when they have to think about, you know, we can't spend as much. And that's, you know, I have a whole philosophy on that. I do think that probably is, it's it's a short-term reality, but it also can be a longer-term issue. So what I find extremely rewarding is when you work with companies and and you start to see the, the, the fruits of the labor and you get that reinvigoration where, where not only are you telling their story to an external audience, but when you see it reflected in-house and, and, and they start to, you know, they walk a little prouder, they, they stand a little taller of, yeah, this is who we are. Um, I did a workshop a couple of months ago with a client and, you know, they've been around for a while. Um, and I said, well, what about brand? You know, and, and, and you know, I gave them a couple of options. I'm very realistic and practical with my clients so that if they want to go all in and, you know, we want to do a whole redesign, great. You know, we can, we can tackle that. But in this case, it wasn't, wasn't going to be that. They simply needed to spruce up and revisit it. But we spent, you know, we were pretty effective about it. We, we, we came in for a couple hours one day and maybe a half day on the second day. But what I, what I did, what I tried to do was when we went in, I told my team, I said, let's let them do most of the talking. We facilitate, but let's let them tell their story. So one of the things I think I find the most rewarding, whether it's a workshop like that or it's a marketing campaign that we're doing or materials that we're developing, you know, it, it's, seeing it not only be successful with the audience they're trying to reach, but then you also see it be successful with the team there. And, 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 you know, again, they, they come out of those meetings and their heads are held higher and, you know, they, they, their chests are puffed up a little bit because we came in and we had a chance to remind them of just how awesome they are. So that, that's always, that's always feeds the soul for me. Well, it sounds like great work. If you can get it, how, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you, a practice like yours? How do you get the new clients? Oh, yeah. Again, another great question. Everybody kind of struggles with that a little bit. Um, you know, what, what I've been blessed with is a lot of word of mouth. So you start working with a company and then I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when I set up my consulting practice, you know, I had my very first client and paying client and we did this pilot project for something they wanted to do, which, which really kind of straddled the line between marketing and sales. And, um, you know, we, we had some really great success the first couple of months, so much so that what was originally a three month pilot turned into basically a three year, um, relationship. And early on in that, I'm, I'm talking to another company, just meeting for coffee. And then there wasn't really any expectations. I, I tend to be a very soft sell kind of guy. It's let's get to know each other. Let me kind of share a little bit about what we do, our story. And then obviously I want to hear their story and then, you know, see where that, that leads us. And if I can pour in a little bit to them, whether something comes out of it in terms of business or not. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like this has been a worthwhile meeting. This has been a great connection because I get to know people and, I, and then love finding out their stories. Well, in this case, 
this gentleman said, you know, here's, he even say, like, here's what we're looking for because, you know, we're facing with some challenges, but I want to hear more about what you're doing. So I started describing some of the different project work we were on. And I, and I went back to that very first one and some of the innovative stuff that we were doing to, to pilot with them. And apparently I wasn't even intentionally selling, but at the end of it, he looks at me and he goes, we need that. And it was a really good, I mean, again, marketer market thyself, right? <laughs> um, it was a really good eye-opening moment for myself to say, you know, as I'm building my consulting practice, as I'm you know, building the team and we have one more capabilities, I, I don't want to be the guy that's that's out there like, look what we can do. It's it's more of, you know, here's the journey we're on. And and I think people always will resonate with that. So, you know, we, we I appreciate opportunities like this. Not not that I'm doing anything other than hopefully sharing a little bit of knowledge, but you know, if, if somebody somewhere down the line hears this and it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe they'll take those ideas to a local consultant that they want to work with, or heck, maybe somebody looks me up and says, Hey, what do, what do you think about this? And you know, just setting that good out into the world and trusting that it finds its way back to you. You know, it's it's a little hokey. But but so far that model has worked well for us, and then I, I don't see that changing. So you co-authored a book that came out this year. Talk about that a little bit. What was that experience like? Sales fusion, right? Thank you. Um, it was it was really cool and really scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing was if you, if you go back four or five years. I remember I was at a, a small conference, a talk being given by some professionals, and there was a panel discussion actually at this point. And every one of the speakers, they were they were all independent of each other, um, but every one of them said, "Everybody in this room should write, should be writing." Hmm. And we're all like, "Oh yeah, of course." And then they're like, "No, no, no, you should be writing, publishing stuff." And in fact, one woman went even so far as to say, "You should write a book." And I remember walking out of there and thinking, you know. Yeah, but but you know, really, what do I have to contribute? What what would be interesting for people to hear about? And I'm like, eh. But then I, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, yeah, they really are right. Um, so I, I started regularly blogging at that point. I started doing more along those lines because, frankly, it was just good practice. Whether you know many people read it or nobody read it, the fact that I was exercising my mind and thinking about ways to communicate, I think, ultimately made me a better marketer. And then fast forward. Um, I was having actually coffee with a friend of mine who is president of this boutique publishing company. And she was talking about this fusion series that they were just starting. And the idea behind fusion really is, I think they're going to write maybe five or six books total. And the idea is to write it targeted for small and medium-sized businesses so that they can go and rather than read these these really in-depth books, which are amazing and and teach us so much, they were wanted to focusing more on the practical and the tactical. So what they've they've done with the fusion is they've approached you know ten to thirteen authors, fourteen authors per book. Said we want you to contribute a chapter. You know, give us your best stuff. And then what they do is they synthesize that into an overarching theme. So there's been one on marketing and leadership, sales, um, and then I think people comes out in January. And so what you have is these thought leaders who are coming together and saying, all right, here's some practical things that you can do in your business that will help you drive you know, your, your, your people retention and culture development, your marketing, your sales, your, your leadership, or whatever else that might be. So it was a really nice way to lend my voice with a dozen other experts, whom several of whom I knew, several of whom I've, I've gotten to know over the last several months, and just keeping good company. 
So it, it was a nice way to kind of scratch that itch and say, well, I'm, I'm a published author now. In fact, the book is a bestseller. Wow. So I can now say, you know, we're bestselling authors collectively. <laughs> um, but it, it's really been kind of a fun experience. And now, unfortunately, she planted the bug and saying, well, what about writing your own book? So we'll see what comes of that in the next year or two. But yeah, it's been a great experience. I have no doubt in my mind, after hanging out with you for a few minutes, that you have at least one book in you, probably plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Ha- have sure. you had the benefit of, of one or more mentors along the way as, as this effort has unfolded for you? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um yeah, I think if there's anything that maybe in our society we don't do enough of is is seeking out mentors or offering an opportunity to mentor others. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm actually having coffee tomorrow with a gentleman that, you know, I've seen as a mentor for 20 years. And his great nephew is 18 years old, lives in a rural part of the Midwest, and is coming to the big city um, and really wants just to talk with people to get a sense on what he wants to do with his life. So um, I'm, you know, I jumped at the chance when he said, hey, would you be willing to spend an hour or so with them? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in some ways, it's a little it's a little sobering to realize I'm switching from mentee to mentor role, I think, at least in this conversation. Hmm. But, you know, you're, you're, you're spot on stone. I mean, any chance we have to, to share knowledge, to gain knowledge, but also then to share knowledge. You know, that's that's something that can be given freely and it's something that gets added upon as it passes from person to person to person. So, yes, you know, mentors have played a big role in my life. And now I've reached a stage where I still have mentors, but I'm, I'm actually being able to maybe offer a little bit of, I won't say wisdom, but maybe, you know, avoid my mistakes to the next generation. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah, maybe you can help them reduce the friction and, and shrink the timeline a little bit if you've made anywhere near as many mistakes as as I have. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done quite well, but yeah, that that's that's my hope here. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. In fact, as a quick aside, now we're doing this just locally, so this isn't necessarily something that's going to help you know your 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 listeners nationwide. But I've actually talked um, talked. It, it was would you be willing? And they were like, oh yes. Um, but we wanted to give something back to our, our local business community. So a group of us now are putting together a speaker series. It's going to be absolutely free. Um, and we're going to invite small business owners to come in and medium-sized business owners to come in. And, and we've got four or five or six different topics in this first series that we're going to do. And the whole goal, I mean, selfishly, maybe we're going to brand, build a little bit of our brand out of this. And that, that's great. But every one of us said we've been given so much that we we are looking for continue to look for ways to give back so that kicks off in a month um where we're going to do the first session and just see see where it goes oh fun now i know that you often refer to yourself as a hyper optimist and i do i would like you to speak to that in just a moment and at the same time i'd love to know when uh when the tank is running a little bit low <laughs> and things aren't as great, where do you go and, and I don't necessarily mean a physical place but to 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 recharge to 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 get inspiration and 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 fill the tank back up and get ready for the next for the next wave no that that that's a very insightful question um so hyper optimist that's a phrase I coined. Oh gosh, back probably in college. Cause I, I'm the goofball when you get to them and it's like, you know, there's never a bad day. Well, yeah, there are. But to me, the, the, the idea of being a hyper optimist is that you actively seek out the good. You know, you're, you're actively looking for the positive. And so, you know, if I look back on my own life, I've certainly had 
you know, my fair share of tragedies and, and, and unhappy days. Um, you know, I was thinking back even as an ex- a simple example of this was, you know, my mom died fairly young. I was, I was in my mid twenties when she passed and she was the parent I was the closest to. And, you know, without going into a lot of sad details, she, she was in the hospital for two weeks before she ultimately passed. And my dad and I had an okay relationship, but up to that point, but for those two weeks, and then obviously the months that followed, you know, suddenly, you know, we, we had this shared experience and, and we were supporting each other and, and, and as was the extended family. But, you know, maybe if you, if you will, maybe my, my mom's parting gift was she helped my dad and I resolve some of our whatever issues we might have had. Mm-hmm. And we became a lot closer in the last 20 years of his life that, you know, I'm very thankful for. So as a hyper optimist, if you'll, you know, you'll indulge my phrase, you know, you look at that and you say, gosh, you know, the death of a parent or the death of any loved one is, is a horrible experience. And it really was. But you have faith or trust that, that it's gone. There's going to be good that comes of it. You just need time and perspective. Maybe you won't even see it. You just have to have faith that it's going to benefit somewhere, somebody down the line. But time and again in my life, Stone, I have seen this play out where it's like, gosh, I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't like what's happening. I don't whatever. But then, you know, if I, if I go back to that place and that speaks to maybe where you, you find the recharge is if, mm-hmm. if you have that belief that things will work out, then they tend to. And, and I think to some degree it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because if, if you're, you know, if you're constantly looking down, literally looking down and you're like, Oh, things are horrible and you know, you're trying to avoid the stones in your path. But then you miss all the beauty that's going on around you, the incredible sunset, the, the kids playing in the playground, the, 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 whatever it means, leaves and fall. And so I think, you know, it's, it's an intentional mindset that, that we benefit from if we can keep our eyes open. And it's true in life as it is in marketing or in business that, you know, there's some tough times that we have to get through. And this isn't Pollyanna-ish to say it's not real or this is going to go away. No, we got to live through it. We got to work through it. But if you keep focused and you believe that that good will come of this, then I think you put yourself in a mental space where you're looking for that good and you're you're ready to find it or identify it when it comes up. So it does become sort of that self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So in just a moment before we wrap, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to leave us with a couple of uh, pro tips, actionable items, stuff for us to be thinking about and, and reading on this path of trying to do a better job of sharing our story and getting out there and marketing mm-hmm. properly. Uh, and we'll get that to that in just a moment. I am not leaving this conversation without asking you about, I understand that you are a Scottish Lord. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am. So um, I am not Scottish. The, the short version of the story about oh, five, six years ago, uh, it was my birthday. And my wife had been out of town on a girl's weekend the weekend before. And my birthday comes along and she's like, Hey, I got you something. And, and we had reached that age where it's like, ah, you don't, you know, I don't need to do anything. Just a happy birthday is fine. And um, she goes, no, and she's, she's beaming stone. So I, I open this thing up and it's, it's an envelope and I, I pull this out and it says, congratulations, Chris Spanier, you are a Scottish Lord. I'm like, what? So apparently, um, she had gone to this Scottish festival. She isn't Scottish either, but, but she was fascinated by some of the culture. So she and her sister went to it. There was a author they really wanted to see who was making an in-person visit and was doing kind of a, you know, one-on-ones with the author. So really cool thing. Apparently there was this little like marketplace area set up and the story behind it, there was a guy selling 
land in Scotland. And the backstory is that this was a, you know, somewhere in the, in the, you know, the highlands of Scotland. This family goes to sell the, the family land and a developer was interested in it. And whatever the, the Scottish version of Walmart, I think was, was, was potentially going to show up in the, the, these <laughs> ancestral places. So this other group got wind of it. They managed to purchase the property and to make it harder, maybe difficult, impossible for the, uh, developers to get access to the land. They started carving up the property. So my wife bought a hundred square feet of this. Oh, land. Wow. And it, you know, comes with a cute little certificate and says, you know, you are a Scottish lord. Um, there are caveats, of course. Um, but you know, the neat thing, and I haven't done this, but it came with a certificate that apparently you can take the BMV and get, you know, Lord Christopher Spanier on your license. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite that egotistical. I'm not done that yet. Um, and I can't go to Scotland and, and show up at the, you know, whatever it is, the House of Lords and demand a vote. That doesn't count. Um, I'm not allowed to build on my land, though I am allowed to go camp. Oh. Um, so it's just it's a nice way to 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 do something to, to help preserve some some really just beautiful land in in the highlands of Scotland. Um it will sadly not pass on to the next generation is really just good for the my life. But of course then a year or so later I had to do the same for my wife. So we actually have 200 square feet of, of land in Scotland as the lord and lady. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's my story. I am so glad that I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, okay, so let's do, if, if you would, let's leave our listeners with a couple of pro tips. I mean, number one pro tip, gang, reach out and have a conversation with Chris or somebody on his team if you want to dive into some of these topics. But uh, let's leave them with some things to be thinking about, reading, something they can kind of act on now in, in this pursuit. Absolutely. So, so let me let me give you just one thing. And again, this is me sharing knowledge that others have poured into me. So one of the things that I, I see that, and I'm guilty of this, but one of the things that I see marketers sometimes we don't do so well is we, we tell the wrong story. There's a couple of folks that come to mind, like Steve Jobs, Apple Computer, right? He founded Apple Computer with Steve Wozniak and in, in, I think it was 1984. He got shown the door because the, the, the greatest innovation they were introducing there, the Apple Lisa, if you've ever heard of that. Yeah. Um, it, it was an amazing piece of technology, way overpriced. But what happened was they, they, they just, they, they just went about it, marketing it poorly. Again, super short version of the story. The, the, the highlight of this, they, they took out a nine page ad in the New York Times full of geek speak and nobody bought the computer. They sold, I think, like 10,000 units total product flop jobs was fired. And then he comes back, what, 96, 97 as the interim president of, of Apple. And in that time, he'd done a lot of different things, next computers, and he had helped you know, get Pixar kind of started. It wasn't Pixar yet, but got that started. And I've never seen this written anywhere, but I, I have to believe that, you know, in dealing with the folks at Pixar, Jobs learned how to tell a story much better. So, you know, he goes from leading a company that does a nine page ad, very expensive ad in the New York Times about all the specs and the cool things about the computer and how cool our computer is to the Think Different campaign, which you may remember from the 90s and even into yeah. the 2000s, where you know, nine pages down to two words. And it was all about realizing the stories about you, the customer. And, and, and you know, that, that likens to, if you, if you're familiar with Donald Miller's story brand, you know, yeah. he, he talks about marketers telling the story, anybody telling their story. And he goes, where we tend to fail or mistake, they trip up is we forget who the hero of the story is too often. It's, it, we think it's us. And he actually uses the analogy of Star Wars. 
And, you know, if you think back to the very first one where Luke Skywalker's out there and he's out to defeat, you know, Darth Vader and, and the Emperor. And he goes, you're not Luke Skywalker. You're certainly not Darth Vader. You're Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're, you're the guide. You're the one that comes in with the answers, the solutions, the, the, the experience to help the hero, your customer, the person listening to your story, help them defeat whatever it is that they're trying to defeat, the evil empire and Darth Vader. And, you know, between those two examples, I'm like, what a powerful way for us to think as marketers, because it isn't about us. You know, it's the consumer, it's the customer who's hearing your message, hearing your story. And what we need to do is a better job of helping them see how our product, our service, or whatever it is that we're offering will help them be ultimately more successful. And um, I think if you do that, you're ultimately going to tell a better story. You're going to connect better with your customers. And ultimately, you know, everybody at the end of the day is going to win. So that, that's my big advice. Well said. All right. Let's make sure that our listeners have an easy path to, to tap into your work, have a conversation with you, maybe get their hands on this book, what, whatever you feel like is appropriate, LinkedIn, website, email. I just want to make it easy to connect with you and, and tap into your work, man. I appreciate that, Stone. Probably the easiest. I'll, it's, I actually do this first name only to make it easy so one, no one has to figure out how to spell my last name. It's email is just Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at, and then it's Carpe Diem C-G for consultinggroup.com. Or if you want to spell it all out, we've got that one as well. So Chris at Carpe Diem Consulting Group, C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M consultinggroup.com. And then LinkedIn or whatever else is, is easy. I'm one of the few Chris Spaniards out in the world. So hopefully that makes it pretty easy to find me too. Well, Chris, it has been an absolute delight having you on the program this afternoon. Thank you for investing the time and the energy to to share your insight and your perspective. This has been a lot of fun. It's been informative. It's been inspiring. I, I really appreciate you and uh, you're doing important work out there, man. I really appreciate it. So thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for asking questions that, boy, that you, you made me think. So I really appreciate that. Anytime you can have a conversation like this, it's just, it's wonderful. So thanks so much for the opportunity. My pleasure. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Chris Spanier with Carpe Diem Consulting Group, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying, we'll see you in the fast lane.